0: This.
1: Yeah. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so
2: horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect
1: adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mr.
3: I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in
1: that film.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number 21. I'm one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, and joining me as always, all the way right through this season two of Atrocious, is,
4: is my good buddy, Mark Ball. How you doing? Good. It's it's the spooky episode. This is a Halloween episode of booing the nasty. <laughs> oh, boo. That, that boo. took me all morning to come up with. <laughs> boo, boo that man. <laughs> uh, happy halloween listeners sorry it's been a little while we both got kind of busy in september so yeah. summer series uh, we... did. Summer yeah. series. that's
2: that's literally what? it that's my excuse for everything being late on this week. Well,
4: and i fucked off for like a week and a half to go to texas in september so yeah we were on a tight schedule just to get like me on that round table for summer series and yeah. then i was gone the rest of the month and I don't know where the fuck October went. Well, this month is flown by as as they tend to do. So uh, yeah, sorry we're running a little late, but you'll get this one, and then probably very shortly after you'll get the November episode.
2: Yeah, yeah, we will catch up. We'll catch up. It's, listen, I'm not concerned, and if I'm not concerned, <laughs> you shouldn't be concerned. I tell you right now, <laughs> I tell you who shouldn't be concerned, the listeners, because you get this show for nothing, ungrateful little bitches. That's
4: yep, yep you, know. you can't complain.
2: <laughs> you can't complain about free content. Uh, we are back for another one of these uh, double hitters from the tier three video nasty list. Episode number 21, which means we are flying through this right now. At this stage, we are, I think this is now official of the halfway mark. Um, I, uh,
4: yeah, I think you're right.
2: So, yeah, what better way than to, to sit down and discuss two absolute classic gems of cinema. <laughs> uh, Stop laughing. Uh, we're we're going to be discussing The Killing Hour, a.k.a. The Clairvoyant. Um, and also Zombie Lake, which will mark the first, I think, only time uh, a genre film movie actually makes its way into into this. But you would not know for look Well, you would know for looking at it. Cause it's a very pretty movie, but the content itself. Is not the sort of thing this guy would have done. Um, <laughs> I
4: think it's a little beneath him, kind of. You
2: will find out there's a there's a peachy story about this one in the background. Uh, this movie originally supposed to be directed by Jess Franco, who, and this is no joke. This is no joke. Marble, as history has taught us, the man the man could make a movie. On the the fluff found in your belly button, it's literally the the, the cost um, for for our buddy Jess Franco. Jess Franco walked from this project days before it was starting to film it because the budget was too low,
4: <laughs> which is fucking mind blowing. I didn't know that going into Zombie Lake, and I got like about halfway through it, and I was like, this really feels like something Jess Franco would have oh, yeah. made, and it's 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 got his his leading boy from fucking. Uh, <laughs> Erotic rights of Frankenstein, I think, in it yep, too. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this feels so much like a Just Franco movie. And then, yeah, I read that and I was like, all right, it, it's all coming together. It makes yep. perfect fucking sense.
2: No, I, I'll, I'll guarantee you right now that if he had done it, the cinematography would have been nice. It wouldn't be on this level. Like, Roland's like, this is like... This is like sitting down with your toddler and feeding them from like a crystal bowl. Like there's like no one's appreciating no one's appreciating the slop that you've put in that at all. And the baby appreciates the food, but not the effort that you've taken to put it in that crystal bowl. He doesn't understand mm-hmm. she? So that's literally the literal level working at. And we're going to be doing a little uh, a little crime thriller with. Um, <laughs> a movie that I was kind of hoping would be more jello than it actually is, but we'll, we'll speak about that as well. The Killing Hour, A.K.E. The Clairvoyant. Uh, both of them from the early 80s, and uh, like I say, I'm very much looking forward to that, but Mark, you alluded, we've been very busy of late, and you disappeared. You fucked off, as we would say in Scotland. You just fucked up. <laughs> I haven't fucked off for a wee while and went to Texas. Uh, in Texas, you uh, no doubt wore a, a hat that attracted attention, bought some sneak skin boots, uh, shot some guns in the air, reckless, <laughs> re- re- recklessly didn't wear a mask and uh, partook in a festival of films over there. Of course, the first lot are uh, are anecdotally funny because uh, they didn't happen and I was just making them for light because I imagine you being as safety cautious as you are, you probably took all precautions necessary there but you went to a film, fe- a film festival, things have opened back up. Things are okay. People are crowding in cinemas to watch movies. Well, I
4: never. Bare- barely. You're 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 about half right. The, the, it was the the least populated film festival I think I've ever gone really? to, short of like digital ones. It was a fucking ghost town. Uh, which would, could ha, had the possibility to be pretty cool. Uh, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill walked right past us right before their screening of the Black Phone, mm-hmm. and we totally could have been chatting them up and talking to them about shit. We we met Mickey Reese. who oh, bought nice. a cigarette off of my friend. He was uh, I didn't know who he was when we first started talking to him. He was like, "Oh yeah, I got a new movie that's played. I, I think it was called Agnes or something." It's a nun yeah, movie. yeah.
2: I like him. I spoke to, I spoke to him. When did I speak to him? Like, two months ago?
4: I had an interview with him to do with his yeah. uh,
2: his vampire movie, which that name escapes me, and I don't know why, because it was fucking great.
4: Cl- climate of the Hunter.
2: That's it, Climate of the Hunter. I loved that movie. I thought that was yeah. absolutely like a stone-cold killer of a movie, and he was one of the nicest people I've ever spoke to, I like, think, ever. And he had yes. told me about uh, Agnes, so...
4: i did not get to see agnes unfortunately i did see climate of the hunter at fantastic fest i think two years ago and yeah that's a fucking great movie i Mm -hmm. think that's on shutter in the states if you get a chance it's it's weird and it's avant-garde and it's kind of a vampire movie but uh really interesting uh the, <laughs> that, that dude's an interesting cat he he shoots like two movies a fucking year in yeah. oklahoma of all yeah. places yeah. like he's a fucking machine i think he's got like 20 movies to his credit
2: he literally told me that it's his aspiration to have a body of work of about 100 movies and none of them in the same genre and part That's, of me part, part of me <laughs> felt like telling them there aren't that many genres but like i'm not gonna tell him not to make a movie you, you do you you know what I mean? So <laughs>
4: That's he might me. hit a few things more than once but it's it's entirely possible to make 100 movies that are nothing to like from yeah. each other
2: oh yeah oh yeah so so uh, come on give us the give us the highlights what was hot what was not uh
4: black phone is fucking incredible i think the black phone was probably my favorite thing that we saw and unfortunately it doesn't come out until like january or february that's i think right, in yeah. the states uh that's the new new one by the sinister guys and it's based on a I guess the Joe Hill story that that's based on is like two pages long, so they <laughs> definitely had to kind of extrapolate some uh, some new shit for it, kind of. But uh, it's fucking excellent. Don't watch the goddamn trailer. Go into it as cold as possible, because the trailer gives away, like, the whole fucking movie, practically. Uh, we went in pretty blind. All you really got to know is that Ethan Hawke plays a bad guy in it, and he is scary as all hell we were talking about it like days later or like, man, that was that that part. And that part is so fucking creepy. Uh, but yeah, black phone is great. Definitely check that out when it comes out. Uh, the big one that I was really looking forward to is mad. God, the, uh, 30 years in the making stop motion acid trip fever dream from (laughs) Phil Tippett, arguably one of the greatest stop motion animators of all time next to maybe like Ray Harryhausen, uh, mad God is, uh a sight to behold i think in my letterboxd review i called it fantasia for kids that grew up on nine inch nails music videos (laughs) which i mean this is 30 30 years in the making so parts of this practically predate fucking nine inch nails i mean uh phil's a weird fucking guy is kind of what i learned from that movie uh it's it's it'd be a great movie to just like eat some fucking edibles and like sit back and just like let it wash over you Kind of mm. it's it's uh, it's a sight to behold. It's it's it, I don't think it has any dialogue in it it's all <laughs> all told through image and sound and uh it, If you're into really weird shit mad god is definitely what you should be checking out I don't know if that's coming out. I, I imagine so, sh- That seems like a shoe-in for Shudder,
2: yeah, a shutter Yeah, probably it seems like a shutter thing if ever there was one
4: once it, once it's done, it's it's playing a shitload of festivals. So if you get a chance, even on the small screen, I'm sure it's pretty cool. But if you can see it on the big screen, definitely go for it because it was a it was a sight to behold. Uh, we we saw a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of retro screenings at this one. I think because mm-hmm. they just couldn't didn't really have time to like dig up a bunch of new movies necessarily or a lot of you know yeah, studios are probably like nobody's to coming to this fest yeah. so we're not giving you movies.
2: There'll be a lot of filmmakers as well even on the indie scene that'll be wanting to pull the trigger when they know things are back to a bit more normalcy you know what I mean like it's that, it's that venture. I've spoken to a ton of filmmakers this year in particular who were like you know this movie's been ready to go for two years now and I had to put it out this year because I need to go on and do other things I can't can't move it. but there'll be filmmakers that film during Covid that you know have movies sitting there that probably don't want them out you know can afford to sit on them for another year or whatnot yeah. and, then, and then push them out from that point so you do get those diminishing returns to an extent if the festivals you know aren't dragging in the same crowds but at the same point if you have a series of other projects to start working on part of you just wants to put to bed that chapter and move on to the next So, so yeah a
4: like, like mickey reese has probably filmed about 10 movies <laughs> in that fucking span of time that in, he's, the t- he's in the time
2: up. we've taken to record this intro he's filmed a movie
4: uh, so, <laughs> so. yes uh i I saw some pretty great documentaries while i was down there i saw the guar documentary this is guar which i enjoyed quite a bit it's that one my letterbox review is like i could have watched a fucking eight hour cut of this because i know they filmed a bunch of other stuff that didn't make it into the like two hour theatrical Mm -hmm. version of that because was some stuff that they kind of skipped over that i was a little bit bummed about but i'm like a guarb super fans so yep. I, I get that they had to kind of pick and choose like what was most important uh surprisingly little about dave brocky in it which i don't know if that's just oh. like uh like a uh they didn't you know i i, I think dave brocky's family is still a little bit sour about the whole thing and there's some yeah. kind of tension between them and the remaining members of the band and stuff so that's a difficult
2: that might... thing to navigate as well uh... you know, I mean... It's a very, very difficult thing to navigate because that band didn't really stop like for any great period of time when Brocky died. No, they just kind of like new people in and moved on. And if you're, a, it's the double edged sword being like Gwar are never a band that are going to you know make millions, and a lot of that money comes off touring. That yeah. you can't you can't just put a like you can't just put a pin and like hold things off for six months. You kind of just need to keep going. um So, yeah, I mean, that might be seen as being disrespectful, but at the same time, you know, a brother's got to eat. You know what I mean? Like, you have to put food on the table, and that sometimes means... It means touring.
4: Um, yeah. And when so. employs a shit ton of yes. people, it's not just oh, like yes. the band and the crew. It's the band, the crew, the guys that make the fucking suits. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a huge, it's, it's a, it's a, production. a business. Yeah. It's a production.
2: Yeah. You You have to, you cannot stop that. And you know, that's like taking any sizable amount of time out is death to a band like that. So, but yeah. like I say, if you're on the other side of that, Brocky's importance can never be understated. Um, that you know it can seem as being quite cold and callous just to pick up and and carry on but you know yeah
4: mm. which he's like he's in it like you know they 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 definitely don't you know like just completely shove him under the rug but like yeah there was there's just some stuff about it like like i really wanted to hear like a little chapter about like ex-cops yeah. Which had a whole bunch of former Guar <laughs> members and brocky on bass, and yeah. uh I, like i mean that dude that sang for x cops i'm pretty sure is the current singer for noir yeah. he was brocky's replacement he used to be a a beefcake the mighty in an older iteration of Guar, so i mean I, I don't know there's stuff like that i'm sure they shot it it probably just didn't end up making it in the movie just for runtime purposes kind of but...
2: hopefully well you kind of hope if it gets like a, a like a good blu-ray release you get lots of features in there including stuff that didn't make it hopefully
4: yeah i think in the q a they said that they yeah there will probably be a video release with a whole bunch of whole bunch of extra footage nice. uh the the other music documentary i saw was the united states of insanity which is the uh fbi versus juggalos documentary which was uh really really uh i i kind of had a feeling i knew what i was getting myself into it's actually really fucking good and i am not like an icp fan in the slightest but it was uh it it was very charming it brought up a lot of really good points like i mean i had kind of loosely been following the whole uh fbi has designated juggalos as a fucking violent gang in the united states kind of story and uh there there's a lot to it apparently and uh yeah i, n- I never thought in a million years of, like how how much politically i would align with the the juggalos but uh it's they're all easier, right in my it's book.
2: easier to get the fbi to claim that juggalos are you know a violent group than it was to get them to to mark the proud boys on that list which says uh-huh. a lot which says uh-huh. a
4: lot yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, they 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 bring a lot of that up and there's a lot of fun footage of like the gathering of the juggalos and just like what a (laughs) bunch of fucking weirdos those guys are but uh, it it gave me kind of a new level of respect for them because they they're definitely out there fighting the good fight so uh yeah, yeah i would I would definitely recommend that one. Uh, we saw a uh, zombie movie from Taiwan called Sadness. Yeah, but...
2: Boz Buzz um, from the Little Pod of Horrors uh, come on to do the Fright Fest um, mock-up, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah it was was um, it was just like, oh my god, he loved it. He yeah. absolutely loved it. But uh, yeah, I did he did tell me that I had to like check my my taste card at the door and get ready to be savagely assaulted by the movie. Uh, uh-huh
4: yeah there's people big mad about that one at fantastic Fest because they, they weren't properly warned that uh this movie is basically like a, uh uh it, it it's a really brutal zombie it, they basically were like what what if zombies but rape
2: yeah yeah that's why that's why that. i heard yeah <laughs>
4: That's pretty much it in a nutshell so if that sort of thing offends you you might want to steer clear of the sadness and i mean of course i was offended by it too i mean it's it's a it's a horrible shocking fucked up movie but yeah. that was kind of what they were going for so mm-hmm. uh yeah if you want to see something fairly extreme the sadness is kind of in your wheelhouse i definitely recommended it to a few people like i know some people <laughs> that are big into like the crossed comics which is yeah. basically kind of the same thing i was like this movie is for you keep an eye out yeah. for it it's anyone... like a shutter shoe in <laughs> yeah
2: anyone that's like an eternal optimist like you know the grass is always greener on the other side well oh, i'm a glass half full sort of person you know give them that yeah knock it out of um, them.
4: <laughs> like so. i'm trying to think what else i saw uh we, we the the rizza actually showed up this year he was oh, supposed wow. to do this uh the 36 chambers kind of show where oh. yeah he basically just did like an audio commentary over an older kung fu movie i'm trying to remember what the hell it's called it's like Mas- oh, master of the flying guillotine uh <laughs> which is a bananas ass fucking old kung fu movie and yeah there is actually showed up and did i did a nice little audio commentary over it it was, it was pretty cool nice. yeah, yeah, he was he was another one that if i would have been a little bit faster i probably could have walked up in the bar and said hey to him real quick but he he was in there like super fast and i walked in and people were like shouting fucking wu-tang lyrics as soon as i like walked in the door (laughs) and then like this like seven foot tall dude in a suit like grabbed the rizza and very quickly i think he had a plane to catch or something because they like full on sprinted out of the fucking bar and like ran to his car or whatever but I was like damn it I just missed, that. I just missed yeah. my Wu-Tang moment for <laughs> for this festival but uh, yeah that was, that was pretty cool they, they played another Kung Fu movie that was in 3D which was interesting that was the first 3D movie I'd ever seen it Five years worth of Fantastic Fest. I uh-huh. can't remember. Uh, I think that was, was was called Dynasty or something. That was uh and it was like the old school 3D kind of. It was not, you know, like modern kind of it wasn't the blue and red, but it was uh an older, like I think unique to about like five different movies kind oh, of yeah. form of three D. But uh uh yeah, that that was pretty interesting. I we saw some other stuff, I'm pretty sure, but uh, those are Those are kind of the highlights i'm sure i'm forgetting something pretty big but uh yeah pretty pretty we saw some pretty great stuff it was uh, like a limited schedule i usually clock like about 32 movies and features and shorts blocks in about seven days this year i think we did 20 just because the schedule was kind of limited and uh yeah it was a fucking ghost town like it was it was weird because usually you get a badge and it's like kind of a lottery system like what movies you get like you pick your pick small based on preference and usually you get your first or second pick or whatever this year we had to fight like fucking animals on their website over individual tickets so uh i think they mainly did that so that there would be buffer seats between groups of like no more than three people basically and that's also why i think the tickets sold out within like some stuff was sold out in seconds like i didn't get a chance to see titan or titan the new one by the chick that directed rob that Raw. sold out in like fucking 10 seconds uh so and yeah that that's even with like me and my two friends that i traveled with we we sat down and had like a war room meeting we're like okay you're <laughs> buying tickets to these i'm buying tickets to these what does everybody want to see like we had a whole fucking battle plan going for this and we still there was days where we're like ah, i'm sorry dudes like we just couldn't get into whatever this was so we got to mm-hmm. take the fucking. The like the juggalo documentary in front row basically so yeah it was weird
2: yeah part of me thinks though, like uh Titan or however you pronounce it like you were saying um a movie like that you know it's got a screening now you know it got a cinema release in the states it's going to get a sc- cinema release i think it's early next year in the uk so that's going to go there you never know when that juggalos thing is going to be available so, yeah. You know, the part, like sometimes, I'd, I'm I'm with you. Like I'd be like, this is a director who did raw. I need to see this movie. But then on the other hand, sometimes being landed with something like like I say, like a Juggalo's documentary, allows you the opportunity to see something that might not get any form of proper release or be view visible to you for maybe a year or so. So. No, it swings and roundabouts um, it sometimes forces you to, to see things like like I say you would never see or be so far down on your list to see and then you come away with a new appreciation like you said or an enjoyment of something that you can you can look back on those stories um, which are super super cool I have done no festivals at all uh, I am watching a ton of movies because it's 31 of October, um,
4: so yeah. I, yeah I, I, I've been following your 30, 31 Days stuff, dude. You've been watching some pretty great fucking stuff.
2: I've been watching some great stuff and some absolute fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> absolute <laughs> awful, awful shit. Like, honestly, like, woefully bad stuff got um, onto <laughs> my, my list this year. And I, t- some of it is expected, and some of it wasn't expected. Like, I forgot how much I... Was not a fan of that welcome to the Blumhouse stuff from last year, and all four oh, of those yeah. movies this year were just awful like, actually awful. Um, so you know, th- those have been uh, those have been not, not like the best experiences for me, but then I've, I've kind of counterpointed that with some stuff that I genuinely think you know is some of the best that I've seen this year. Uh, specifically, the, the big one for me, having watched it, it uh, floored me absolutely, floored me. Was that come true? Which I think is fucking incredible, like absolutely incredible. You would love it if you've not seen it.
4: It's called Come True. Yeah,
2: Come True. Let me, let me, let me just entice you in here, Mark. Let me, let me just bring you in. Uh, Electric Youth do the soundtrack, track, so it's synth as fuck, right? Ah, oh, nice. And it's basically it's like it follows, if it follows, it's kind of it follows meets Possessor, minus the gore, right? Oh damn. So, so it's a girl who takes part in a sleep study. Um, because she she has insomnia, so instantly you know resonates with me. Uh, or resonates, sorry. And um, basically, as soon as she goes under this procedure, she starts seeing like waking night terrors. That sounds spooky. That start following her, but there's something else happening in the background, Mark. And that's all I'm going to leave it as. It's dreamy. It's it's the 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 kind of the color escapes are all kind of blues. Which makes sense because it's kind of dream logic um it's just it's a beautifully shot really well acted incredibly scored movie so i thought i'd like it floored me um other ones that have been really 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 good
4: um i'm dying to know what you thought of my heart can't beat unless you tell it to
2: oh it was excellent i've not put my grade up yet but it was absolutely excellent loved it absolutely loved it Reminded reminded me a lot of i i mean that sort of movie reminds me a lot of like the battery just in terms of minimal cast indie project doesn't go out its way to actually show you anything like apart from like it shows you like people being murdered but it doesn't lean into any of the like overt tropes of vampirism in that movie which I love like because that's the that you know that's like the same way in the battery I don't think they ever use the word zombie in the battery or if they do they use it once and that's because that's not the story and that's not the story in this movie either the story in this movie is like at what level do you draw the line of supporting someone that is not only related to you but someone you care deeply for because of an affliction they have when that thing is forcing you to commit like the ultimate crime um and i i thought that was that was incredible is like, like it's kind of almost like a weird hybrid of let the right one in and um, the battery uh, maybe even a little bit of modern, even though it's, you know, it's not a, a not-vampire thing, but the way they handled it, yeah, it's just, it was absolutely fucking brilliant, like, like effortlessly brilliant, like, finished, and I just kind of sat there going, that's how you make a movie, <laughs> it's there, there that's yeah. a movie, and then I was thinking, I've seen, like, Welcome at the Blumhouse movies, which had <laughs> bigger budgets than that, and bigger, bigger cast than that, and they were fucking awful, so, yeah, um, it's been, it, like I say, it's been interesting, the worst movie not the worst worst movie but the worst movie because it had like a criminally large budget and amazing cast um, is that spiral from the book of Saul that movie is utter fucking garbage like utter garbage I, I
4: haven't seen it yet I, I, I kind of had a feeling I knew a lot of people on the side were like eh, it's not very good so I kind of skipped on that one
2: dude like 20 minutes into it I was like I bet he's the killer guess what he was the killer and I'm not I'm, no, <laughs> like, honestly it's like every cliche that you've ever seen in like a cop movie is in this. I just don't understand. <laughs> and it has has maybe one of the worst endings. I, I will like, if you're if you're not inclined to watch it, I will tell you off here what the ending is. But like the the last shot of the movie, and I was like literally sitting going, wow, like someone fucking <laughs> someone let that out, someone let that out, like into into cinemas. Um, it was really 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 bad but other great movies the medium which um, is from the director of shutter remember the taiwanese movie from the 2000s
4: yeah is that by the same, the same guys that did the whaling also yeah
2: was well, written it's written and produced by the did the, 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 the whaling
4: so, okay yeah so i'm dying to see that one so
2: it's up on shutter at the moment it's kind of it's like a full documentary um it's about two hours runtime and the first hour is just setting story like just setting stories characters mythology and all the rest and then you get a little bit of a ramp up and then the last 40 minutes of that movie is just all killer like literally just all killer right to the very end i thought it was nice. fucking great um so yeah stuff like that the new vhs movies okay it's about as par on the course for every other vhs movie and like i liked about half of it and the lincoln story is absolute fucking garbage
4: um <laughs> yeah i didn't didn't really like the wraparound i actually we saw that at a midnight show at fantastic fest and i fell asleep in the last segment which sucks because a lot of people told me that last one where they're like blowing stuff up out on like the farmhouse or whatever was like one of the best ones i was like Oh damn it of course that's the one that i fucking fell asleep in the middle <laughs> of but i i really like the rest of it i really like simon barrett's one that takes place in the funeral home i thought that was like Genuinely, really spooky, and just like sets a lot of really great mood. The, the rest of them, yeah, are kind of hit or miss. Yeah. The Timo one, I don't think is as good as the one that he did for part two with the suicide yeah, cult. if, if you've kind if of... you've
2: seen if the, th- the problem is if you've seen if you've seen Frankenstein's Army, which I have.
4: <laughs> oh as, man, I didn't as, even think of that. Yeah,
2: it's Frankenstein's Army. It's just shorter form. Which, to be honest, my big complaint about Frankenstein's Army when I watched it was this should be a short. Yeah, like that's literally like it. It spunked his load like all over the curtains about fucking you know like ten minutes into it. So that one in the shorter form worked for me. It, it overstays its welcome. The, I, the last one that you were talking about with the essentially the militia terrorists, um, right, is is great. It kind of loses steam towards the end, but the concept at its core is something that, like, I, during my review, I kind of raised that as an idea. I don't think I've ever seen, like, a, like a, a kind of white, you know, mis- militia group, terrorist group, whatever, or alt-right group, or whatever we're calling them, like, portrayed as, vi- like, people that are victims of their, their own stupidity um, in a movie, in a horror movie, anyway, before. And I don't know why that is, because to me that feels like, like fine fodder, but the concept behind that one, which is basically instead of building a bomb, they have a vampire, um, right? And the the you know, they, they keep bleeding this vampire out essentially because if the blood interacts with light, it explodes. So that's going to be their kind of Oklahoma City bomb, they're just going to get like a, like drums of this vampire blood, drive a van in there, and when the sun comes up, kaboom. Is a great concept, like genuinely one of the more inventive concepts I've ever seen. It just falls. So, the big problem with, with kind of short found footage things is they all ultimately end exactly the same way and that's the problem it ends up with someone you know walking away from a camera in a daze which two of these movies do or <coughs> um, you know someone fucking you know, staring at the camera screaming or a camera falling down so it's, it's like literally it. Stephen Kathansky though the psycho gorman he's the guy that does the, the vegetable ad in the middle which is very adult swim so like <laughs> the, the, ve- the vegetable smasher which is like it's like about a 30 second ad and he did that and I loved that I thought I was I thought I was great once again anything that guy does is, is, is kind of tops for me but yeah it's been an interesting list uh, tonight's is um, oh what's tonight's movie uh, so the day that we're recording this is the Sunday and tonight's movie is one that I'm actually not holding much hope for. Oh yeah, it's, it's not going to be good because uh, everyone's hated it.
4: Neil Blomcat's *Demonic*. So, yeah, I've heard not good things about that one. I've Heard yet? Maybe from maybe from you, or was that the last Neil Blom- No, I'm thinking of Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall, a movie yeah, a couple that, of months that, ago. That, oh, you hated.
2: that Reckoning movie can die with fire. is <laughs> honestly one of it's up there as the worst horror movie I've seen this year.
4: Oh, and that's, that's, how, very, that's how I've seen some bad, bad ones is. this year that's how bad is this it, one is <laughs> is it worse than Halloween Kills?
2: see here's the problem with Halloween Kills right? let's, <laughs> let's just take a couple of seconds to talk about this right here's the problem with Halloween Kills the problem with Halloween Kills is Halloween 2018 exists
4: right which is a pretty good movie I think
2: yeah it's okay I mean I'd like the, the more I watch it the, the more I not dislike it but the, the, the more it kind of drops down for me I just think there's a lot of stupid choices in that movie um but the problem is that movie sets a tone and this is set right after it so it has to continue that tone and it doesn't continue that tone so that's the problem yeah it, it goes it goes a bit too and it doesn't understand what tone it should go with see if even they just leaned in and went full campy that would have been fine but because it's still trying to have its cake and eat it it doesn't work um and that's that's the big issue for me it has like in a in a schlocky campy horror movie those like the returning villagers. Um, from Haddonfield who are all terrible actors and actresses um, yeah. with even worse dialogue um, you know those would work any campy horror movie because you would be like oh they're really channeling that kind of you know like, laugh out loud awful 80s dialogue and all the rest but this, you know this is 2021 20, and your previous movie didn't have that and it's surrounded by like you still have Jamie Lee Curtis although she's blinking you miss her in this movie but you have Will fucking Patton in this movie as well you have good actors in this movie, acting well. And that makes your bad actors and actresses, saying bad dialogue, look even worse. It's like parking your moderately expensive car uh, beside like a fucking sports car. Like your car on any other street looks okay, but when it's parked beside this car, looks like a dumpster with wheels. Um and that's kinda as like part of that's that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is David Gordon Green is the issue. David Gordon Green has spent so much time talking about how he was trying to course correct the series of where it all went wrong and he essentially set it right back up to where all the rest of the series have set up to. Like, literally set it back up exactly. You know, I'm going to remove Halloween 2 from the equation because, you know, like, um, you know, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't do much in that movie. She's confined to a bed. And, you know, like, what what is Michael Myers' a supernatural being now and all the rest. By the end of this movie, Jamie Lee Curtis was predominantly in a bed and uh-huh. Michael Myers is a supernatural entity, so, I mean, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd, like, I'd like, unless he was trying to put people off the scent, you know, this'll trick them. Um, I, don't, I like, I, I kind of, but at the same token, the way the internet is acting is this is the worst movie ever made. And it is not, it is slap bang in the middle of that franchise, like, easily. Because I think like having went through them all for this retro I'm releasing on on Halloween, which will be about eleven hours long, by the way. It's one episode. Oh shit. Yeah, it's every it's every single movie covered in one massive Russian roulette franchise retro. Uh, with the baz coming on to do Halloween from twenty eighteen and Halloween Kills because he'd never covered them under the original franchise. So yeah, like having gone through all of them. I'm sorry to say this, to Halloween fans. I was not the biggest fan before. Most of these movies are utter fucking trash. Like, ah, yeah, there's bad trash. ones. Yeah, like part part four is barely a movie. Part five is less of a movie, and part six is the worst. What with the fucking like Rob Zombie can have all the fist fucking, you know, fucking bagel banging, like shit that he wants with white horses and all the rest. It is not as bad as part six. Part six is. And like, but did you watch the producer's cut? No. No, I didn't for this time around. But I watched it the first time around and guess what? Didn't fix it. Um no. It's is fucking... Like, even H2O. H2O is a bad movie as well. So when I watched this, I was like, you know what? It's bad. <laughs> like, But there is at least three or four worse than this. So
4: yeah i'm glad you brought up rob zombie because after i watched halloween kills i watched a couple of the other ones that i watched like the least probably h2o is one of them i was like yeah this movie's still bad uh i also watched i didn't watch the first one but i watched the second rob zombie <laughs> halloween movie because i remember it just goes completely off the fucking rails at some point And i got done watching it i was like you know what I don't hate this movie. This is actually not nearly as fucking bad as I remember. It's got some terrible, terrible parts. Yeah. Like Sherry Moon and fucking White Horses is about the dumbest goddamn thing in well, any of he, those he movies. Says, but
2: Yeah, the, like, the, the biggest crime that movie does is by making a bold statement in text at the front saying, this is what a white horse means. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, this seems just... like, a, like a weird thing to do. And then you see the movie, you're like, oh, it's full of white horse, right? Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. But it doesn't tie up. It's it, like... I. Like, Rob Zombie didn't want to do that movie. He was forced to do that. And I'm not apologizing for him because he's he's fucking scum now as well. Uh, Like, he's a bad filmmaker. Um, But he didn't want to make that movie. He was kind of forced to make that movie. And part of me feels like he was just like, right, fuck it. I'll just do whatever I want. And it is evident on that screen. Like, that movie reminds me very much of, like, when I saw that Friday the 13th remake and you get that first 10-15 minutes and you're like that that's the movie like why are you giving me this extra bit which clearly is just a lot of shit um, this yeah. is the movie and this, uh, this it's the same in Halloween too. all that stuff that's the dream sequence at the start is fucking killer and then horses
4: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah and, and make it making loomis an unlikable asshole was uh that was definitely a choice that he yeah, fucking made but but, it,
2: but like that as an updated loomis makes sense like the guy who survives and then tries to cash in on it but by cashing in on what he's done is even makes him even less likable you know what i mean like like he's the victim but because he's so fucking arrogant and he feels like he should be treated like some sort of like special case because he's the guy that survived michael myers um i kind of it's like a it's like a different like because the other loomis becomes unlikable by part part 4 um like part 4 he's a very unlikable character and all the way right through including that time that he lived in a shack um (laughs) like all the stuff you have to this is what i'm saying like i think people forget like how just fucking bad that franchise is, like, just in general I, I think if I had to order them I would put, like I say, I'd put Halloween Kills probably somewhere in the middle um, so it's not the worst thing I've said, but it's not a good movie It's uh, not, and anyone saying it's like a I think the, the problem is, like, people are like, this is Michael Myers' movie and I'm like, right like, explain that, and they're like, well, look, he just goes on a killing rampage, and I'm like, well, I guess what, he does that in other movies yeah, but he does it for the majority of this movie right
4: well, and he's kind of the least interesting part of halloween 2018 it's yeah. it's like they took the the worst least interesting parts of that movie and made a whole fucking two hours out of it yeah. jamie lee curtis who is arguably the most interesting part of the 2018 movie spends over half the movie in a fucking bed but and they, does they, nothing they, yeah but they, they
2: take it but what they do is um and this is my last point but the the interesting aspect of that first movie is how that ultimately she's proved right you know what I mean? Like, she put her family through fucking hell, right? But at the end, our daughter knew how to shoot the gun. You know what I mean? like, you know, Like, she trained yeah. her daughter. like, So knew how to shoot the gun and all the rest to put Michael Myers away. In this movie, what they say is, oh, well, Michael Myers was never interested in her. So all that stuff that you taught your daughter to do and the misery that you put her life in, well, you shouldn't have done that. He was never interested in you. So I'm like, you've taken the only interesting part of that survivalist character and you've just removed it. So now she's just a crazy yeah. now she's just a crazy woman in a bed, and I'm like, oh. I, I, that stuff that's that's the bit where I'm like, I understand you want Michael Myers killing lots of people, and I know people are absolutely delighted that he now holds the highest body count. Um, granted, I think most of that happens in this movie. Uh, he holds the highest body count in any in any horror franchise of all time. That's great. That's I, and I'm happy for you. I'm happy you have that, but the cost of that has taken like one of the more interesting sympathetic characters that has been portrayed in like horror franchise like the universe of horror franchises one of the more sympathetic and fully formed characters and relegating her to two-dimensional crazy women in bed well done hollywood um so yeah i'll be fine halloween ends is, according to David Gordon Green, it is set four years in the future, so nothing bad will happen there. We'll just pretend that Halloween kills didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and we'll move on. We'll move on. Yep. It'll be another one of those like movies that I can just remove from my viewing, uh, if it sucks. So, yeah, I don't know. It's not the worst thing I've seen by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, I, there there were options here. And there were mistakes made, and those mistakes made were huge. I tell you, for the people that are moaning just now, easily the most interesting thing about Halloween Kills is Little John and Big John. I could have watched an entire fucking spin-off of, like, two gay men that share a house, and one of them, who clearly works for the mob, decides that he's going to take Michael Myers down with a cheese knife. That in itself is fucking amazing. Like, give me that movie. Give me that movie. But no. uh, Yeah. Like it just like I don't know, so many weird choices, so many weird choices. I couldn't quite. And then I've noticed that no one's really like like the articles that were running up to Halloween Kills were all about how David Gordon Green's doing that Exorcist trilogy. Those have disappeared pretty quick. Like you know, like no one's. He's he's made all the money. He's he's golden now. he'll get to do whatever he wants post Halloween ends. But I did notice that there was a, a lack of traction. On what he's going to be bringing to the the Exorcist franchise, mostly because most of the the horror sites didn't score Halloween kills that favorably. So
4: <laughs> yeah. I didn't really hear anybody being like, "Yes, th- this is a great idea. Let- let's redo the Exorcist again and make fucking three of them." In fact, a trilogy. I don't like. That. Nobody, don't... nobody wants this. Nobody.
2: It's because he's doing a Halloween trilogy, so now the formula. This is the Hollywood thing, isn't it? So if it works one way, then it'll work in always. So you can just make like everything should be a trilogy because people love a trilogy, um, right. and I think that's in principle. I like that as a longer form way to tell stories. It's essentially what like. um like six-part or eight-part tv series do nowadays as they take like right. what would be a trilogy of movies and like stretch them into an eight-part series the other part of me thinks you know is that is is there enough in the exorcist to make that unless one of them is entirely a prequel um you know what i mean uh about father was America medic or care can never remember which one is um Unless one of them's like part of his like his journey up, the second movie is the actual event, and then the third movie is kind of post the event maybe. But I just like there's like uh, three long movies about The Exorcist. When I, I just don't I, I, like to me. If, and then there's always the danger if it falls apart at the first hurdle. You don't get those two movies after it and if you don't get those two movies after it what the fuck are we doing here <laughs> You're
4: like, oh god which is what people are scared is going to happen with Dune which is definitely not a complete story even though it's like yeah. two and a half hours long that's, that's sad. yesterday was a weird weird watch I, I watched Zombie Lake yep. and then I watched uh, um one of the movies for for next month's episode, and then we went to the theater and, and saw Dune, and then I came home and watched The Last Hunter, another movie for <laughs> next week's show. It was a bizarre day of watching movies, but uh, yeah, Dune is great, but it is not a complete story. It is it's well, chapter one. Yeah,
2: he said he said that he's openly said that. Anyone expected like if you want to see the movie Dune and a um, if you want to see the novel Dune, which is fucking huge by the way, and um, and a novel. Uh, squ- you know, squashed from a novel, sorry, into a movie, watch David Lynch's one and see how nonsensical it is, because you can't fit it all into a movie, unless the movie no. is like a day long, so I- I'm going to see it on Tuesday, I'm very much looking forward to going to see it on Tuesday, because um, Denny Villeneuve might be, I think pound for pound, he's maybe the, maybe the best director walking the planet just now, these movies just don't make a lot of money, <laughs> they-, yeah. they have a fortune spent on them, but they just don't make uh, a lot of money. I mean, Arrival it didn't make a lot. One obviously loads of Oscars. That last movie he made, which was the Blade Runner thing, which I think is maybe one of the best-looking movies ever fucking made. I think it's, like, it's one of the best science fiction movies in the last twenty years. Um, it didn't make a lot of money. It didn't make a lot of money. And then this whole Doom thing being a kind of hybrid release is guaranteed it not to make a lot of money. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of hoping it. It works its way through, though. I'm kind of hoping that Warner Brothers are like, "Listen, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this right," and we see how it goes. But I just, you just don't know, dude. Everything is so weird at the moment that you just don't know uh, how things are gonna fall. So we will see. Time will tell, Mark. Time will tell. You set us up perfectly for this, though, because um, we are what <laughs> we're 45 minutes into this and we have not spoken about. Two of the (laughs) glorious movies that we're going to be discussing on this episode. So let's go from the heady highs of uh, talking about Dune, Denis Villeneuve, to Zombie Lake from 1981. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well. This is directed by, and we'll get into a bit of the trivia on this one, by an auteur of cinema himself, Jean Roland. And uh, when we return after, guess what? the educated people on the Video nasty's documentary giving you the, the lowdown on Zombie Lake and then the trailer, myself and Mark are going to unpack what very little actually happens in this movie um, right after this
1: Zombie's Lake, or Zombie Lake, however you prefer Le, Le Lac des morts you won't find very many people who are going to stick up for this one but I'm going to try <laughs> uh, and before I do I should point out that Every time I've watched this movie, within about 30 minutes, my eyes have been looking at the clock on the, on the DVD player or the video player thinking, how much longer? So I do sympathise. If you're sitting there thinking, God, no, that film is so awful, how can anybody try and say anything nice about it? Uh, I understand. It's, it's, it's really it's really at the limit. But when it came out on DVD, it actually looked a hell of a lot better. Photography-wise, it looks actually rather beautiful. The clarity of the image and the, the, the beauty of these French rural settings actually really, really quite compelling. And I, I find myself drawn to it. It's one of those movies that I find myself wanting to watch more often than you, you could possibly believe. You think, I'm in the mood for Zombie Lake. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Why am I thinking this way? But I could sit down and watch it again. It's, it's a little hard to explain. I mean, it's, it's, I certainly wouldn't want to spread the virus. I don't want to try and convince anyone else. So don't blame me if you go and watch it. I'm not trying to persuade you. But, um, uh, there is something very strange about it. For instance, if you love zombie movies, and you love, you know, particularly from this period, the 70s and 80s, it's always interesting to see how divergent the zombies get and how they act differently to the way they're meant to act. And this one's all over the place. You've got zombies who go for walks in the country with their bastard offspring. Odd little touches like zombies who, who return from the grave to express love and devotion to the child that they never saw whilst they were alive. It's crazy stuff really, I mean, you know, sort of like we're, we're not dealing with zombies in the sense of the, the, you know, the accepted George Romero uh, sense at all. It's all over the place, but I, I kind of like that. Another way in which these zombies don't work to the set zombie template is that the people that are bitten by the zombies don't resurrect and become zombies themselves. There, there are no resurrected French villagers who join the hordes and go on the rampage, which when you think about it is a little bit like racial purity kind of zombie style. Because the, the Nazi zombies don't want to create zombies from the other races. They're too, you know, they're too into their own thing. So there are no, uh, no Frenchmen join in with this, uh, with this platoon of uh, Nazi zombies. Uh, so, I mean, again, that's, that's a twist which you don't get in any the versions of the zombie mythos. I mean, there are some puzzling points to do with the politics of it, I must say. Um, essentially, it's about, you know, not to mince words, it's about some trollop in France during the war who drops her knickers for a passing German soldier, has a baby, uh, and then when he's killed in the war a bit later, his platoon are wiped out by the French villagers, and the, the the partisan opposition in in France. You would think, really, for a film made in France, that the sympathies would lie with the resistance. But it's the German soldiers who are given all the nobility. In fact, there's one point where a dignitary in the French village that are being uh, visited by these reanimated zombies many years later says. We brought this catastrophe on ourselves. What, by killing the Nazis? Well, <laughs> well, what a miscalculation. And the French villagers, on the other hand, are a bunch of bad-tempered louts who generally kind of shout and leer at uh, passing scantily-clad ladies, you know. So you think, well, what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, it, this was made in France. It was directed uh, at very short notice by one of France's great, um, fantastic uh, filmmakers, Jean Roland. Nobody connected with the film who wants to claim that it's a valuable piece of work. There is generally a sense that it was swept up uh, off the cutting room floor virtually. It was about to be abandoned. Um, Jess Franco uh, was the original uh, director. Uh, he pulled out He pulled out because there wasn't enough money. If Jess is going to pull out because there's not enough money around it, that really is uh, saying a lot, isn't it? I mean, considering the kind of budgets that Franco would, would go, go along with, one shudders to think how little money there was on the on the, on the table for this. Apparently the producers, Eurocini, phoned Jean Roland over the weekend and said, we need someone to come and uh, pick up on Monday and shoot this film. Roland said yes. And there is a sentimental streak in the film, which I think probably comes from him. No one is quite sure what state the script was in, if indeed there was a true script. Um, but there's a kind of a sentimental element to the story involving the zombie Nazi's love for his uh, daughter, which perhaps has echoes in some of uh, Roland's other films. But on the other hand, this question of the sympathetically portrayed noble Nazis versus the coarse and uh, vulgar French villagers is coming out of left field. I don't know who's responsible for that. Um, But it's little details like that that make very very low budget films more intriguing You've, it's, sort of like, it's it's not programmatic, it doesn't make sense in, in a, it's not a very coherent movie but the way in which it falls short of coherence is what justifies watching it I think as far as its attention from the constabulary again I, it's hard to fathom really uh, probably due to the fact that it's just a zombie film it's called Zombie Lake so for PC Plod who's been told to look out for zombie flesh eaters Zombie Lake is probably near enough uh, the cover's got some guy with pizza stuck to his face, chewing on someone's throat. You know, uh, that's that's probably all he needed to know. Um, anybody who sat down to watch The Zombie Lake would have to wait quite a long time before they got to any imagery at all that could be considered shocking. In fact, most of this film, certainly in the version that was available on video, could probably have been screened on television without any, any major difficulties. It's not a grisly film. There is some female nudity. There are some uh, rather leering shots from underwater of uh, female bathers, which in the uncut version gives you quite an eyeful. I don't think those shots are really a. They're not. They're not all there in the uh, in the video version. And b. The video transfer is so murky anyway that you, you know, you'd be lucky if you could tell the difference between a, a snatch and a and a, a piece of a uh, floating you know, sort of weed. <laughs>
3: team of basketball players, women, just simply disappeared into the lake, swallowed up by some ghosts.
1: <laughs> Let's level,
3: Mayor. I hope you don't really think ghosts killed them. Yes,
0: that's what I think. In fact, I'm convinced of it. Me? I didn't see them. Do you think that
4: if any one of us had seen those poor girls, we would have let them go out there and get killed? Don't you think we'd have told them to stay away from the lake?
0: face the fact that zombies have declared war. Our fate's now in our own hands. We must find a way to safeguard our town from the mad, murdering zombies.
2: We are not powerless. We must act. Do you
0: know who the man with the medallion is?
4: Yes, he's my father. The other ghosts, if you want me to. But I won't let you hurt him. I won't.
0: And he would like to be dead.
2: Max, so you've just heard the trailer for Zombie Lake, this is directed by Jean Roland and uncredited by Julian de la Serna, who I believe did a lot more on this than Roland did, I think he uh, maybe checked out a little bit, he's actually taken his, he took his name off the movie, but that doesn't stop people putting it back on the movie, he really didn't like this movie um, the movie stars Howard Vernon, because of course this was te- technically a Jess Franco movie so that makes sense, uh, Pierre Marie Escuro uh Anakushka, Antonio Mayans, Nadine Pascal, Yuri <laughs> that's Radio Now. That's his name, Radio Now. Sure that's not how <laughs> you pronounce it, but it's spelled Radio Now. Bertrand <laughs> Almond, Gilda Arsenio uh, Marcia Sharif and Yvonne Danny. Um
4: a bunch of Europeans with big bushes.
2: Yes, well Jean roland is actually in this movie as a character called Stilts. I can't even, oh, remember, really? can't even remember him. Uh I have no idea who that is. <laughs> uh, the story for this movie was done by Julian Esteban and Jesus Franco. Uh, synopsis is, in a small village somewhere in France, we can't even bother saying where it is, uh, German soldiers killed and thrown into a lake by the resistance during World War II come back. That's accurate that is what happens
4: that's pretty much it (laughs) in
2: this movie Um, I mean it's it's difficult to see a movie like this and not think of shockwaves
4: yeah, Nazi zombies
2: yeah I mean it's it's, I would argue and I don't think much people would put uh, up much of an argument to to the contrary that it's much better than shockwaves Uh, I lie of course, I did, I put fun shockwaves easily better than this movie Um, I didn't hate it i don't like it <laughs> uh, i really don't like it i didn't hate it though there's there's stuff in here that so, so to to kind of expound more on that synopsis there um I, I mean it is that right so there's a lake, which the locals call <laughs> the lake of the damned <laughs> which just should have been the name of the movie you
4: know what I mean? That, just call the that's movie. That's a better better title for sure.
2: Just call it Lake of the Damned. Um so there's a lake, which the locals call Lake of the Damned, which knowingly apparently has Nazi zombies in it. But there's not a sign up or anything.
4: <laughs> so people could like be, want... beware, there may be Nazi zombies in this lake.
2: Yeah, nothing like that at all. Um and uh, this movie starts in the most genre way you've ever seen where a woman just strips off, and by God, is she fucking stunning, right? And you forget that Jean Rolland directed a shitload of porn. Like, yep. loads of porn. Um, So she just undresses. I think the title comes up while she's lying fully naked, full display of bush on the screen. And I was like, That's uh-huh. a, that is an artistic choice you've made, there." Um, <laughs> and she she, she, go, she goes swimming and uh, a, a zombie attacks her. Uh, and the zombie can't quite make its mind up whether or not it's after brains or is a vampire. It's one of the two. Because um, it just bites her neck, nibbles on her neck more. And um yeah, then we kind of like pull out from that. There's a small village. Um, half of this movie is a flashback.
4: Yeah, I kind of telling the backstory of the, uh, the the Nazi zombies and the resistance that yeah basically just guns them down and is like, well, should we bury them? No, just ditch them in the fucking lake and then yep. they fuck off. And uh, yeah, that that is a pretty pretty extended sequence. There's some pretty alright action in this movie. Like there's yep. at least you know, uh, it's it's weird uh, watching movies with a lot of gun stuff in them <laughs> after what just happened on the set of uh rust a couple days ago i was thinking yep. about that a lot yep. uh, this uh, especially uh the, the last hunter which we'll yep. get to you next but next, these, but these
2: lots, lots are clearly because this is a french production these are clearly not well these are plastic or rubber these are not real guns. right yeah you know i mean like unlike what happened on rust where someone <sighs> just had pant- like See if you can have something on set that could kill someone. That shouldn't be on set.
4: No, you know what I mean? not in this like day, day and weapon. age. One, yeah. you could do it all with fucking animation. There's zero, zero reason for that. Yeah,
2: absolutely zero reason. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Essentially, you have this town. We have this mayor who's in this. Loads. Howard Howard Vernon is fucking amazing in this. Like absolutely amazing
4: because he's he, very charming. He's, he's, he's charming, fun to watch. He's
2: a charming guy, but like his dialogue portrays a man who could not give a fuck, and that's <laughs> kind of what I love about him. Like because he's he's like a there's this kind of woman reporter that shows up who <laughs> comes with a book of supernatural occurrences. <laughs> And she's like, uh, she's like, um, I'm here to talk about like, you know, this this legend of this lake. And he's like, well, it's, is it a legend? And she's like, well, yes. Like, what, hundreds of years ago, the villagers started calling it the Lake of the Dam. He's like, well, I mean, they didn't hundreds of years ago. They only started calling it Lake of the Dam recently. And even then, it's not worth a story. And she's like, well, why did they call it the Lake of the Dam? He's like, well, some stuff happened, but let's not care about it. You know, he's, <laughs> like, he, he's like, literally, he, he's so blase about it. um Like So, yeah, So essentially there's this lake full of dead Nazis. They all come back to life and start killing off the villagers who knew they were there. Uh, The villagers eventually try and rise up, and then there's a plot hatched to kill the zombies, which they do. But in between that, we get a massive flashback showing the occupation of the Nazis, which did make me wonder who we're supposed to feel sorry for here. You know what I mean? Uh,
4: Nobody. (laughs) That's what I'm going with. No one.
2: Because I was like, uh, am I supposed to feel sorry for this? Nazi general who falls in <laughs> love with a woman and then, you know, like, I, I just, I didn't know it was all totally wrong, but yeah, so it, basically this, one of the original Nazi soldiers had an affair with one of the, the locals, she, well he was then murdered, she had a kid, and he returns Uh she's now dead obviously, he returns and for some reason shows tenderness and kindness to his daughter, who also is not freaked out by this giant green fucking zombie in front of her, <laughs> gives her a necklace and then at the end doesn't want them to die but lures them all to their death anyway like some sort of fucking sadistic child Pied Piper I, I, like, I, like, I, I, mean, I don't know I don't know what's going on Um, but yeah, like I, this movie has two big set well, three big set pieces, one is obviously like you were saying, the Nazi action in the middle the other is two scenes where we can get women to undress so there's a female basketball team
4: uh, (laughs) (laughs) who are at the same Uh, lake
2: you know what we'll do we'll take a break here in skinny dip in lake of the damned nothing will go wrong there Um, but yeah so that's really the two big set pieces Uh, the the creature design is fucking awful because it's mostly paint and rubber that's been stuck onto people who are in water
4: yeah when when they're in the water they're very clearly wearing just like really bad like drugstore fucking zombie masks that are like made out of rubber probably because they didn't want the grease paint in course the rest not. of the scenes <laughs> just running off so yeah it, it, it's wildly inconsistent depending on if they're in the water or if they're on land they they reuse the same shot of yep. the zombies coming out of the lake like about three or four times yep. and That's it's a... painfully obvious
2: yeah which to me is a, like that is a classic jess franco move and then to see uh roland do it is is kind of it's kind of bizarre uh, like we said like originally franco i pretty much he brought this up to like like we're talking like days before production and then um, like walked because of budget and then Roland was signed on to do it, not knowing what the budget was or the script. And apparently he was kind of just landed with it. Uh, and being like a, a guy who lived almost from paycheck to paycheck, Roland did it. But obviously the the biggest selling point here is it shot beautifully. This is a beautiful fucking movie to look at. The rip that's up on YouTube that I watched. Is kind of incredible. I mean, it looks like it look. And this is the benefit of having a great cinematographer, like um, Franco, has that a lot as well. Where you're watching absolute fucking trash on the screen, but it's beautiful, and um, it has that. It's it's just everything else. But it's not vicious enough to be like a good zombie movie. It's not arty enough to be a good Roland movie. it doesn't have enough of anything and it, like like i say, its biggest crime is like almost half an hour of this movie is one long shot flashback sequence in the middle and i'm like what are we doing <laughs> commit to one or the other like you don't have a flashback in the middle of a movie that'll last half an hour it's like it's it's nonsensical so yeah i like uh, I mean, I've ticked it off the list. I've watched it. I'll never watch it again. What what were your thoughts here? Because you said you watched this one early in the morning yesterday.
4: yeah uh, (laughs) i i i i kind of land the same way and yeah like i said earlier in the in this episode I, i i really like i i didn't know this the backstory on this and uh i especially didn't know just franco's involvement in it and yeah i was sitting there watching this and i was like god damn this feels so much like a just franco movie and i think the editing is a big part of that there's a lot of shots that go on for way too fucking long and like the the camera should have should have cut away like a lot sooner like i'm thinking of like one of the first uh oh. chicks in the village that gets attacked by the the zombies and it just it goes on and on and it's really clear that like the the actor playing the zombie is really gently just like nibbling on this chick's neck and like there's no there's no prosthetics there's no like makeup effects or anything he just has a mouthful of fake blood and it just it goes on for like about three minutes i was like this feels like something some crazy batshit thing that that fucking jess franco would have done just because he needs to pad the fucking time a little bit um but yeah this this movie is like i i don't understand what the fucking purpose of this was at all like you said kind of i don't know who we're supposed to sympathize with or be rooting for it all like i i i don't think they really knew like it, it i think it is possible to make a movie that's kind of a decent amalgamation of like a, a softcore erotic movie and like a horror movie. Oh god. This okay. is not fuck this is not fucking that. Like no. the the the, the softcore parts I like like you said they're beautifully shot. They they make the women in this movie look absolutely fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So any opportunity they get in this thing to just kind of like titillate or you know have women doing suggestive things or be you know completely butt fucking naked uh they they do in this movie. And then, like, all the horror stuff, like, really kind of takes, like, a backseat to all that and just doesn't really amount to a hill of beans, really. I think it's kind of funny that Just Franco, like, if that's true that he bailed on this because of the budget, uh, I mean, they're, like, blowing stuff up and setting people on fire at the end of this movie. Like, there's at least a couple things in this that you know, take a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of money to do. And I'm like, there's no way this movie didn't have like roughly the same budget as something like The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein, yeah, which I suppose, looks like, like it was made for about five bucks. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> I, I
2: suppose for, from my point of view, the way I read that statement was he'd been heavily involved in getting it to the screen. So yeah, obviously the movie in his head that he wanted to do and then whatever money they had set aside to make the movies like, well, I can't make my movie on that. Um, which, i th- that's how I've read it because he, he is involved with the, you know, the actual writing and casting of this movie, clearly. So, right. I think he got it as far as that and then at the end it just was, well, I can't make the movie that I want to do. And I don't know if he tried to use it as a power play. You know, like, I'll just walk if I don't get the money and they were like, right, we'll just get Jean law <laughs> and, he and he'll just direct it. And then he, uh. like I say, like, as noted, he... Like, like oh, horribly regretted doing this movie. <laughs> like he had done, he hadn't even read the script. So he shows up to do this movie, and he's like, "That I have to do what?" Oh no. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's a like Franco would have been like Franco would have left the project here. I imagine in eighty one without doing any research, he probably did like seven movies, like easy. Like so this is like a I can afford to jump off that. A guy like Jean Rulon could not. Um, you know he was—he literally was living paycheck to paycheck for his movies, even though some of them are absolutely staples of art house horror cinema nowadays. Uh, at the right. time, no one was watching them. You know what I mean at all? They just—they weren't getting that. So um, it feels—it feels weird. You, one of my favorite details, well, like genuinely one of my favorite details to the point that I thought this is fucking amazing, is like during the flashback sequence, the way they decided to de-age the mayor was not cast a younger actor but put a hat on him <laughs> <laughs> to hide his gray hair <laughs> he like, shows up shows up clearly as old as he was before but you can't see the gray because he's wearing a hat
4: <laughs> which yeah had me kind of confused there's parts where i'm like is this a flashback or no because he looks yeah. exactly the fucking same as he does later in the movie so yeah, yeah. So sometimes funny. you don't want to cut corners on shell, like dude do something to make him look a little bit younger I don't know. Or, or conversely make him look older in the other ones like give him a big great beard or yeah. something just do something movie come on
2: I mean it says a lot when you're like some of the there's, a, there's 457 like tags for this uh, like in of hashtags uh, for content in the IMDB and the first five are Public nudity, pubic game, <laughs> nude swimming, nude bathing, and female frontal nudity.
4: Yeah, I mean that's kind of the draw here. You're not coming for the zombie stuff. There are hundred, hundreds of other way better zombies. This this you're going into if you if you want to see some gorgeous European women. Like that's that's pretty much that's kind of the long and short of it. You're gonna cut the rest of this fucking movie and made this like a 15 minute like porn film. And uh, I almost think it probably would have been better.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably the reason it found itself on the list.
4: Um,
2: I think Jean law known as a, you know, fairly prolific, prol- prolific porn director at the time, um, if he's releasing anything in the horror genre and you watch the first, what, let's say two minutes of this movie and you're seeing full-on Bush, um, as a censor, you're just banning this movie outright because there's nothing in it. Nah. Like, you know I mean, there's nothing in this apart from the quote unquote nudity um, that, you know, it's like obviously it has Nazis in it, which was a hot button topic at the time. Um, it's European, which didn't do it any favours in the UK, especially because it was French. Um, and, you know, it has Jean Roland's name on it. I think that's probably enough to get on the list, but with the nudity, there is nothing here I could imagine being anything at all to be something that would offend a viewer you know what i mean and even then if you're offended <clears throat> by the female form then you're a very narrow-minded person um so yeah i'd like to me like i was watching this and i got to the end of it i was like that this is a nothing movie like genuinely it's a shame because like like i said before i think this is the only roller movie on the list which i mean I'm, I'm fine with movies not being on the list but the dude has some incredible movies like he's vampire trilogy is fucking amazing um and this is the movie that makes the list this is the one that gets the notoriety and if you watch this not knowing the guy's other work this would be enough to put you off watching his other work so if you've never seen a genre long movie before there's plenty out there uh please check them out and don't be stuck here uh at zombie lake um like the female basketball team. Don't get stuck. Uh, <laughs> ca- carry on, carry on. Um, that's the literal I've got to say about this one. I, I mean, I, well, we talk grades here because I get the feeling both of us are going to land on the same thing, or maybe not.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, no. This is this is this is a case dismissed. Yes, this sir. Has a bunch of nudity, This has a bunch of nudity, but the violence. And this is super fucking tame. I mean, unless you're like deeply offended by. Uh, a movie asking you to maybe kind of sympathize with fucking Nazis, which is like a whole nother, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other discussion. Uh, Content-wise, nah, there's a bunch of nudity in this, and that's about fucking it. Like if, if you know, <laughs> if that doesn't offend you, there's literally nothing that's really that offensive in this movie it's pretty goddamn tame I, I i say this a lot but uh if you cut all the nudity out of this like i've seen community theater fucking plays that are more violent and offensive <laughs> than this so <laughs> like, like there's shakespeare that goes way further than oh, anything God, yeah. in this fucking goofy ass movie so uh no this, this is what million percent does not deserve to be on the fucking list
2: I'm going to double down with you, my friend. This is case dismissed Um, for all the reasons you said. There's nothing in here. (laughs) Like, there's nothing. I would argue that, like, female nudity is like, that's fine in a movie. Like I've said before, male nudity, fine in a movie. I think, there, I think there should be more, uh, but that's because I'm a pervert. Uh, right, we're going to take a <laughs> very short break just now. You're going to hear those people from the Video Nasty's doc coming back to talk to you a little bit of Killing Hour, a.k.a. The Clairvoyant from 1982. You're going to hear that trailer as well when myself and Mark come back. We're talking about this movie right after this. So the
3: next film is the film by Armand Matroani called The Killing Hour. And this film promises a lot actually. It's a film about a clairvoyant and in many ways it does follow a traditional kind of uh, giallo uh, narrative with the exception of the introduction of a slight supernatural element. So it does tend to create a certain kind of promise. When it opens it's very grossy, grim, late 70s New York so you've got that kind of maniac meets zombie flesh eaters. There was a certain way that Italians like to see New York in the late 70s that really apprehended its uh, griminess. It's basically the story of a murderer and a young woman who is an artist who sees murders. And it also has a lot of commentary in terms of things like the relationship with the media and the police because they want to keep it secret and then it all gets revealed. And um, so there's lots of male tension between, you know, the liberation of narratives of violence, gore and titillation that we all adore. It's got quite an elegantly elaborated narrative and it's got the lovely punch line at the end that many, uh, Jiali have. Uh, quite a seedy and grotty one, actually. However, the murders are incredibly clinical. It's almost like it's a film about the reflection on murders and the relationship between the murder to come and the murders that have been. But the spectacle of murder is simply not there. And I found that quite peculiar because, obviously, in that kind of situation, the spectacle of the murder is the grammar of the film. So it lacked that. Oddly, the drawings were quite good in a very expressionistic kind of monk way. So that's another little tantalising thing that we can add. But um, I think Mastroani's career was... A broad kind of career, he did some exploitation films, he did murder films, he did He Knows You're Alone, he did those kinds of stalk and slash films. And it's certainly a film of its time. It just feels like it didn't quicken to that level. And had it been made in Italy, perhaps it would have looked different. Technically, uh, it could have been put on the list because the money shot, so to speak, um, spoiler alert, look away now, Is that at the end you find out the reason for the killing occurs because of an initial, what began as consensual, lots of men having sex with one woman and ended up with one man getting a bit over excited and he turns the sex into murder. And it's relatively explicit, I guess, but I think that in terms of a general Uh, scene, perhaps the perversity of the gang raping as much as the murders um, is what could have been the reason why it was pushed on the list. Having said that, it's certainly the reason that I argue that it fits into that whole giallo um, stream is because those kinds of images often occur at the end of late 60s giallo, so obviously it was sort of the British relationship to the exposure um, and it does, in terms of an aesthetic, exploit that late 70s New York seediness that really did become quite a sort of uh, fantasy in the minds of a lot of people who, you know, when we were watching films in the late 70s, New York had a certain kind of texture about it and the film's um, mise en does exploit that kind of texture. So the coupling of that could be one of the reasons.
0: It started as a game and turned into a nightmare. She was an art student. She had the power to see things beyond the normal range of human senses. She saw murder. with a terrifying talent she became a silent witness to murder i saw the drawings for two men were drawn into the killings one was a cop what do you want the other a tv reporter we both know those killings aren't just another statistic i want to use them on my show how do you make these drawings
2: my hand takes over.
0: Well, how does that happen?
2: It's unconscious.
0: I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Both men became involved in her life. Both men loved her. One of them had to kill her. I want the girl kept out of this. Don't put her on the show. are you paying her rent? What's all the interest? He might try to kill her. Killing Hour, a film in the finest tradition
2: of suspense. And welcome back. So you've just had the trailer for The Clear Void, a.k.a. The Killing Hour. So it's known as The Killing Hour on the list, but uh, it was dubbed as The Clear Void, which is easily a better name. Um, This is directed by Armand Astroani, maybe? Um,
4: Sure, sure. Sure, that did.
2: Armand did it. uh, <laughs> he also did the story and part of the screenplay along with B. Jonathan Ringkamp. Uh, the movie stars like a sea of people that you will know from other things. Um, this is a kind of almost a who's who of different stuff. Uh, John Polito being probably the guy that I know from the most things. Um, but you've got Kenneth Mellon, uh, Perry King, who plays um, <laughs> Paul McCormick. AKA Mac. Um, Norman Parker, who is our main kind of cop dude here who plays a guy called Larry Weeks. Uh, we've got Barbara Quinn, uh, Anton Pagan or Pagan, uh, Thomas DiCarlo, Lou Bedford, Elizabeth Kemp, um, and some other folks. Let's not spend too much time like delving into to that sort of stuff. Uh, the synopsis here is two uneasy friends, a police officer and a TV talk show host, each pursue mysterious handcuffed killer with the aid of an artist who sees and draws the killer's crimes before they were committed so um before before we talk about this one when i read the synopsis out on the previous episode i said to you that there was a bit of the giallo about it which made me kind of excited uh because i love like specifically american takes on the giallo um, because the Americans, like not the but people will be like that. It's a slasher movie. That's not what I mean. I mean like the crime side of things with the right. The cuff, I, I like when they do that. I think specifically about stuff like White of the Eye um, or things like uh, Dress to Kill. You know, like stuff that are like clearly inspired by the giallo, specifically Argento, but done in the, the American style of the kind of police procedural. Um, and this kind of has a bit of that but not nearly as much as I was hoping for. So I think that you, you do get a glove killer in this, and this is before we get into too much detail, and I suppose the biggest thing here in this movie is the quirks with the cops, um, which is a staple of of a kind of giallo, is the, the cops all have weird quirks of some description, and the introduction of a clairvoyant themselves. That's something that if you watch Deep Red, for example, that movie opens with a psychic, so you right. know, like by the by the kind of late 70s, you were getting movies. like There is a movie called The Psychic, which was directed by Fulci. You were starting to get into that kind of supernatural element as a way to draw people into the kind of horror side of a Jallo. So it kind of has those elements out with that. It's not really much in the way, shape or form of, of a Jallo. It's more a kind of crime thriller, which I'm fine with. I love me a good thriller. And I'm going to see before we get into this movie, I have a lot of time for the clairvoyant. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I don't think it's perfect. I think it has some issues. We'll talk about them. But the the kind of setup here is there is a serial killer uh, killing people and the kind of the, the connecting tissue between all the murders is that he handcuffs his victims. And we have like I said like, like the synopsis said, we have a cop who is part of the team of people that are investigating but somehow is he stand-up comic
4: which (laughs) he's dressed like travis bickle in a lot of this movie too i don't know where this came out in relation to when taxi driver came out but they like straight up stole the fucking well, it's costumes
2: so it's, it's 82. So it's a couple of years after uh yeah, okay. taxi driver and it's set in new york so i mean it's
4: this it is... looks a little bit like a young de niro too just <laughs> just a little bit i don't know maybe it's the costumes or something but that was yeah something i first thought I was like oh my god they're totally ripping off taxi driver yeah it has, it has a
2: whole <laughs> whole section of, of kind of that feel to it but he's a stand-up comic and um well the story the story starts with I'd like you like starts with a lot of kinda a lot of detail and then moves into a big bit of kind of investigation and then kind of ramps up towards the end. The detail is we find the body floating in the river. It's of a, a kind of young prostitute, um, and she's been handcuffed. We then like see two other deaths in fairly quick succession. There's a guy who's swimming who is, and this is gnarly, this is one of these ones where I thought that'd be a fucking horrible way to die. Like, a really oh, horrible. Yeah. He, he starts to swim towards the ladders to pull him out, Um and as he's underwater, someone handcuffs his foot to the steps, so he's just out of reach of the, the you know, the, the surface of the water and drowns. And then the third person that we don't get to spend much time with at all is working uh, in a sewer, is climbing up out the manhole, puts his hand out to grab a tool, is handcuffed, to like a, a piece of metal and then electric current passed through his body. And the police are investigating it. The police themselves are a kind of hodgepodge of different sort of police troops of the time. Uh, Kenneth McMillan plays uh, the main kind of leader of the group who is a uh, Detective uh, McCallum, uh, sorry, T- Detective Callum, sorry. And he is um he's like a, he's a tough, talk no shit old school cop. And he has a team of of cops that are essentially different caricatures of different versions of police at this time. Uh, Joe Morton being Detective Rich, uh, who is into what would have been at the time the upcoming science of of kind of psychopathology. Like so actual criminal profiling which Detective Calm couldn't have any less of a fuck about at all he thinks it's all textbook nonsense um, right. John Polito who's basically his, his right hand man but he himself is kind of in a lot of ways he's kind of the he's a tough nosed kind of guy trying to keep it together um, Larry Weeks who is a stand up comedian uh who is such a weird character because he's not a great detective that's the thing about this dude he's really not a great detective at all but he, he seems to have a sense of humor about him because he's a stand-up comic um and these are the guys that are going to crack the case on the other side of things we have paul mccormick played by perry king who is this tv personality who and i'm just saying we're spoiling this movie dude we have to spoil this movie to get yeah
4: spoilers it's on youtube go watch it
2: yeah within like 20 minutes of this movie i was like that and so it's the tv guy who's the the killer because i clocked him like right at the the scene of the the one of the first crimes he's in the background and i was like all right so he's a killer because they even make a a comment they make a comment like is he following us is he tapping anything how did he get here so quick and I'm like because he's the killer Um, and then we played I played the long game I've watched too many movies I played the long game to find out that ultimately he was a killer I liked the reveal we'll come back to that but he's doing a series of he he decides to pump um, (laughs) bad choice of words Uh, pump Larry uh, Larry Weeks for information and they're kind of buddies and they're both going to use this as a way to one Larry Weeks is going to get a Stand-up spot on TV. Nonsense. Um and like <laughs> McCormick's gonna make a, a... Lee's gonna make it to the Big Times' his report and details on this. And then in the background we have Verna Nightbourne which is the fucking strangest. And Verna Nightborn sounds like she she's like maybe a mythical witch from like the 1700s. <laughs> or at
4: least like a 70s horror TV host.
2: Yeah, Verna. <laughs> Verna Nightborn uh, replaced Elvira, uh, mistress of the dark, um, with her, her kind of less quirky. Like smaller tested version of of like the, the introduction. <laughs> um, well, I saw like a bit of public outcry online of this incidental about people that were a little bit upset that uh, Elvira has come out as um, you know as as gay, and I'm I, I I could not be more against those people because there is nothing that makes me more rock hard. Than thinking about Elvira and making it with another chick.
4: Dude, that is like, uh, it's like the the biggest non-surprise of the fucking world is guess, like, okay, we we kinda knew, yeah. you know.
2: But I was also like, I was like, like, you're complaining that this chick who's already so ridiculously hot just got fucking hotter. I mean like uh I,
4: I like, yeah, fuck those people.
2: I almost passed out by how quick the blood rushed from my ba- brain to my dick. Like honestly, I I like I lost a couple of hours like, woke up drenched in my own spunk. Um, so, anyway, sorry, sorry, I was on a side. So, yeah, like, um, and then we're introduced to Werner Nightborn, who is a painter, or like an artist of some description, who has been drawing pictures of premonitions of the deaths. That's basically the movie. We, we follow a lot of kind of like police procedural stuff, and it's a fairly slow burn for a movie that's essentially an hour and a half. But that's the kind of the big talking points. We'll swing back to me to talk a little bit more about the stuff that I enjoyed in the movie. But uh, you said you watched this about a week ago. What did, what did you make of the Clairvoyant? Uh,
4: I I dug this movie. It's it's goofy and uh, I, I I would call this a pretty charming movie. It, yeah. it makes a lot of makes a lot of choices, like making our cop like he's he's not really like a tough as nails kind of cop. Like like you said, he's a, he's a up comedian. I don't think he like really wants to like he, he he's an okay cop, but I don't think that's really where his heart is. He he's 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 bound and determined to break into showbiz, um, so he, he he's kind of he, I I think he's an odd character and kind of an interesting choice to have made there. Uh, the the TV show host dude I think is like way ahead of its time. Yeah because that's definitely something that's like you know you know people like bill o'reilly and all you know fucking tucker carlson and all these <laughs> fucking clowns that uh, have absolutely no fucking dignity whatsoever and uh will absolutely you know use people for their own advantage and to you know it, it's 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 all it, there's no substance to their quote-unquote reporting it is it's all you know it's all shock value kind of stuff and you know uh he he definitely jumps over the fence of like what's you know probably acceptable in that line of work uh you know journalists there is such a thing as journalistic integrity and this dude has fucking zero of it uh so yeah i i was i was kind of surprised that i didn't realize sooner i'm like oh he's 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 totally the fucking killer uh, did not did not occur to me until well into the movie uh i really like the chick that plays the artist i i, I think she's kind of uh it, the the scenes where she's having her premonitions i think are kind of fucking goofy like she really does <laughs> just do like the eyes roll back in her head and she's just like freeform like uh scribbling you know a drawing of the the crime scene kind of some of that stuff's kind of goofy and like super not believable in the slightest mm-hmm. but um kind of an interesting idea and i I think she's an appealing actress she's 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 pretty attractive and i could kind of see why these two fucking doofuses are kind of like in a love triangle over her uh i don't really understand what she sees in either of these fucking guys because she could probably (laughs) do better and maybe you know
2: them fighting over her is one of the funniest things in this movie like, no, all, don't 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 it. do the interview. Don't do the interview. And she's like, you know, I can make up my decision for myself. And then later on, he's like, that you, uh, you know, what I mean, you could go on that date with that Paul guy, or You could come and see me do a tight uh, <laughs> forty. She's like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to do. It. I don't want to have to. And then by the way, this I, this is a big gripe with me in movies. Um, most recently I watched a movie called Claw, which is fucking awful, don't watch it. Um but the the main character in that is also a stand up comic. See if you're gonna have a stand up comic in your movie or a character who's training to be a stand up comedian and that's the you know, that's the hook in there. Unless the audience is booing them because they're bad, the joke's better be fucking hilarious. And people are applauding and clapping this dude and he does like he's not even it's a couple of impressions. Yeah. And he's, he's jokes. Yeah, his his joke appears to be that a guy is holding a, a banana instead of a gun, and he's telling them to put the banana down, and that is not funny. Like, that's no. not funny. The only banana-based <laughs> joke in a police procedural movie that has ever gotten over is in Beverly Hills Cop, and it's a banana in the tailpipe. That, that is fucking... Story. You know, like the banana and the fellback? That's fucking hilarious, <laughs> right? I mean, like, any other banana-based joke does not work. And he's, he's terrible. Uh. He's terrible. Even his impressions are not good. Like, he does a Woody Allen impression in this. And, right, granted, he looks a bit like Woody Allen, but he doesn't sound anything... And everyone can do a Woody Allen impression. Uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> to get my system. Uh, but you're right. Like she's like two people fighting over her, and she could easily do better than either one of them.
4: Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I thought th- those parts were. Uh, there was definitely some choices made. <laughs> some, some of them were, and some of them big time don't. Uh, yeah. Th- that scene in the pool where that dude gets this fucking ankle handcuffed to like the. Uh, the, the railing to get out of the pool. I thought that was really effective and it's like uh a very quiet scene. There's like hardly any score and like it's it, a lot of it's underwater. So it's not really a lot of in sound. Like, like who yeah, goes it's... and
2: swims in a swimming pool which is just lit up by red light.
4: <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of the swimming pool scene in pieces. It's yep. like what are you, what are you doing? You're yep. just asking to get fucking murdered by somebody in this fucking pool. Sa- but, same year by uh, the way. Same year oh nice uh but yeah drowning is uh, like i think a really horrific fucking way to die so that scene i thought was like fairly effective um uh yeah this is a i don't know overall this is is an interesting movie because i think it does a lot of things that a lot of other movies like it's it's going kind of like more for like story and mood rather than just like straight up shock value for the most part um we might as well get to it, like, the, the reveal that, like, the reporter guy is the killer. I'm pretty sure I was, like, I, I sent a fucking text real quick while I was watching this, and when I looked up, this dude is the killer. And I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck did I miss here? Like, it, it goes incredibly fucking quick. Yeah. And if if you have a keen eye like you do, I, th- I think you probably pick up on a lot of that stuff, like, as it goes, kind of, and it's not that big shock but I, I I must not have been paying that kind of attention or something <laughs> because up, when it happens I was like holy shit what did I miss I grew up like I
2: would literally grew up reading Agatha Christie novels which are all crime yeah. books and watching things like Poirot and Miss Marple and And all those things where, you know, a detective, like Columbo, like a detective solves a crime, right? So, like, when I watch a movie, especially a thriller where it's, there's a killer out there, you know what I mean? All the rest, I literally, that's what, like, I love Jalos. That's what, I think is the reason I gravitate so much towards them is because you're basically watching the movie to find out who the killer is. Um, And this one does, I mean, the reveal comes pretty quick, you're right, but, like, her pictures all the way through it have been showing a weird shape and then what they discover towards the end because she, like the cop, Weeks essentially sends uh, Nightborn to stay with McCormick uh, to be safe and he makes, he specifically says he doesn't want to deal with him anymore which once again is just another clue that he's getting too close to things and the image is, they can't make out what the image actually is, it turns out to be a crab claw which this dude has on his nightstand as a crystal crab claw which you'd seen earlier Uh. on in the movie as well so then you get essentially the flashback and the flashback ties it all up. So there's theres two killers in this movie, right? But essentially one of them is kind of paid and killed off uh, by the cops. So the main killer is McCormick and McCormick was part of <laughs> three guys. So the two guys that you saw die at the beginning and himself who are like out on a jolly. Decide to hire this prostitute, handcuff her to the you know the, the bed railings, and then decide to, for lack of a better word, and being as vulgar as one can be in these scenarios, run a train on her. Um, right. And each of them get involved, but McCormick gets a bit too involved and ultimately kills her. It uh, suffocates her, and what they do is they dump the body, and McCormick then. Uh, deciding to not be in a position where he can be blackmailed by these two other guys, decides to kill them off but uses the handcuffs as a motif to look at as if a string of deaths are occurring. It kind of reminded me there's a similar thing in um, De Palma's Blowout. Have you ever seen Blowout? I have not. Oh dude, it's like the best De Palma movie right? And You need to wreck to that for sure. But in, in Blowout there is the higher, like there's a, an event that happens. It looks like an accident, but only, only John Travolta as a sound man captures. This is why I know you would love it because it's like he is a sound guy capturing sound for movies. That's our main character, played by John Travolta, right? And he nice. captures, he captures what he thinks is like he, like someone. It's basically the death of like a presidential candidate, um, and but he's convinced through the sound he hears a gunshot before the tire blows out hence the name blowout. um and no one no one will believe him and there's some sort of you know, some sort of conspiracy in the background which leads John Lithgow and maybe my favourite Lithgow performance um is hired is as, as, as an assassin to kind of clean up after the mess but he decides that the best way to clean up after the mess is to, if he's going to make these deaths look inconspicuous, he has to kill people to make it look like there's a serial killer running in the background. Sounds, so when he does that this, that sounds great. Yeah. So when he does this death, it's got maybe the the most nihilistic ending in the movie ever. I won't tell you what the ending is, but like like his way of doing things, Lithgo decides that if he starts doing a string of deaths in a particular modus operandi so a specific motif that if he kills kills the real target that he's looking for they'll just get passed off as one of these serial killings which is essentially what's happening here he's killing people off using handcuffs purely because it looks like you know a a series of crimes by a killer fixated on handcuffs as opposed to a guy who's cleaning up after the mess so that's that's what's revealed in here that's his kind of motive through this one, and I mean it's, it, like like I say, it's not totally surprising, it, the weird thing about it is it did, at least it made it makes a lot more sense than a lot of Jalos, where you get to a certain point where like, how? like What did he have to do with the death? Nothing. Um, so it makes a lot more sense from that, just to me it, it seemed very obvious very early on, so I just kind of had to roll with the movie, but the reveal at the end worked for me. So I I, I found this one to be An entertaining watch. I think it's a bit slow in the middle, but not so slow that... I mean, this movie's an hour and a half. Not so slow that I was like, oh, (laughs) come on. It's just a lot of dialogue between very quirky characters and a love triangle that I had zero interest in. But the actual death stuff, pretty fucking brutal. Um, And I can tell you right now, I would put cold hard cash down on this one. That flashback sequence... Where that woman is being ostensibly raped and murdered is exactly the reason it's on the list. Yeah. BFI don't fuck around with that, dude. They do like in the in the U well sorry, B no, not BFI. BBFC in the UK do not fuck around with sexual violence. It just goes straight on the list. And this has essentially a woman being tied up um forcibly, you know, uh you know, forcibly raped. Essentially, like she, she consents to some bit, but that dude brutalizes her and then kills her, and that's that's a no no. So, and from what I have read, uh, the movie was passed later on with cuts, and the cuts were to that flashback scene. So that makes, that makes
4: sense. sense.
2: So yeah, and yeah, I thought I found that like an entertaining watch. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but if this got a Blu-ray release, I would own it. I would definitely buy it. Um, I found yeah. it like charming enough that. I w- Charming enough and quirky enough from that era of cinema. It's great seeing New York and the you know early eighties, all that stuff. There's a There's a thing in there where I'm just like, um, this would be cool to like. There's there's about three or four movies I would easily double build this up with that I think would be would be fun. I think it would be fun to double this up with something like A Dress to Kill. Um, I think that would work, uh, kind of cool. But then also there's there's plenty of other giallo movies that would work really well with this as well so i i I found it i found it good in terms of did it deserve to be on the list and how how i would grade you know grade it once again right yes the the violence towards the woman at the end is of a sexually explicit nature but not so much to the point that i found it like 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 a bannable offense but it's kind of gnarly um there's no blood in this movie like at all like zero blood in this movie and there's no like Like, even the the drowning death is shot really, really well. There's a craft here that I think desensitises it, reminds you that it's also a movie and not, like, going for any level of exploitation. I'd still case dismiss this. Like, I'm feeling light today for some reason, and there's just not enough in here. Even with the, the naked women, they do it in a way where... It's not to the point where they're doing stuff like... Had this movie been shot in the 70s, there would be a lot of, like, zooming up to the woman physically in fucking pain and trauma. Ultimately, she's like a pillow's put over her face. Um, So, you know what I mean? Like, we don't even linger on that scene overtly long, so I'm case dismissing it. What about yourself?
4: i would maybe just barely give this like a slap on the wrist and really only for that scene like you said it's 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 just enough to like get the point across and it's pretty fucking brutal and kind of hard to watch and like kind of took me by surprise because everything leading up to that so far had been relatively tame compared to a lot of stuff we've watched for the show so I would, be yeah, at most barely give us a slap on the wrist, but probably more than likely case dismissed because this is, you know, in the grand scale, the grand scheme of, like, all the stuff that we've watched for this show, this is definitely way on the tame side. Um, this is mostly pretty character-driven and isn't really, like, I think they set out to make this, like, a, a relatively classy kind of movie. This wasn't really, like, an exploitation, you know, or we're going for shock and... You know, gnarly shit in this movie. Like, I, I think they really like just set out to tell like kind of a a, a relatively classy, you know, th- thriller kind of like per- police procedural kind of story. So, uh, yeah, that's really that's really about it. Like, and yeah, like I said, the, the pool scene I think is like just perfectly effective in being like and your mileage may vary on that depending on how scared of fucking drowning you are mm. but i'm i'm pretty scared of that so it was like kind of a pretty good setup for me like at the beginning like it's like oh like this killer is actually kind of brutal and kind of clever like it's uh but it's you know visually and like this really, it's not that you know it's it's not that brutal we've got some shit coming up on the next episode that i think like is way way more (laughs) more more offensive than anything that appears in this movie so um yeah i'd probably give this a real light slap on the wrist
2: nice nice well ladies and gents we're gonna take our final break of this episode when we return we'll be telling you what we're doing in a couple of weeks time because you ain't got to wait till the end of the month for the next episode we'll be back to do that right after this
1: This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to
4: the psycho Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com. The Psycho-Semantic Podcast.
2: And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been season number two, episode 21 with a little bit of Zombie Lake and The Killing Hour, a.k.a. The Clairvoyant from 1982. Oh, <laughs> we're finally getting to it. I'm so excited. Uh, on next episode, in episode number 22, we're we're finally getting to my homeboy, Norman G. Warren. And we're sitting down talking about one of, <laughs> one of his more sleazy numbers uh, when we do Insemnioid. Insomnioid, mark uh norman g warden have you watched this one yet did you watch this one
4: uh i i have watched both of i watched both of these yesterday in between fucking going to see dune at the theater and boy yeah, that was an interesting double feature uh yeah insemnioid is a movie that kind of has to be seen to be believed. There's, <laughs> a not, there's a not great copy of it on YouTube. If, if you find me on YouTube, it's Fancy Mark with a space between it. Uh, if you look at my playlist, there's one that's called like a Video Nasty List 3, I think. You mm-hmm. scroll all the way down to the bottom, both of these movies that we're covering and the Clairvoyant and Zombie Lake, actually. You can find all four of these on YouTube in varying uh qualities uh, uh yeah um uh, inseminoid is on there it doesn't look great but yes this is a this is a w- goofy fucking b movie that like doesn't <laughs> really i don't i don't think like a super crystal clear 4k version of this would really benefit it that much i, have, kind I, of have, I watch have a, a scuzzy yeah, version
2: yeah i've got like so um indicator <laughs> in the uk put out a, a box set of uh, norman g warden stuff um, a couple of years ago, which I bought and I have like a Blu-ray copy of uh, Insemioid. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Uh, it's also, I don't know if it's still, it used to be available on Prime. I don't know if it still is, but um, yeah, Norman G. Warden. So uh, the, the, the UK Schlockmaster is finally making it. Uh, onto the list not the first movie of his that we will well sorry the first movie but not the last movie that we will be discussing of Warrens. i think prey is also on this one um, oh, okay i've seen
4: prey also Prey's pretty good
2: yeah prey is he's uh, once again another sci-fi movie um so yeah so that's that's the first one synopsis for this one is a crew of interplanetary archaeologists is threatened when an alien creature impregnates one of their members causing her to turn <laughs> homicidal and murder them one by one so that's the first movie <laughs> the second movie is one that I have definitely not seen but the way you're talking about it and I've just suddenly realised who the director is and it's now making a lot of sense oh this is Italian Dardano Saracci did this, this screenplay Ooh. I have no idea who that is uh, he, he, he basically a ton of filchy stuff he wrote a ton of filchy stuff Um,
4: that makes complete sense because i think this has a couple of cast members from some other fulci stuff in it It, uh also has uh rudy ray moore in it uh our our, our buddy the pimp from fucking demons
2: (laughs) holy shit she's a friend of mine
4: um so yeah this is a well
2: this this by the way is directed by antonio margareti who once again is another dude that has done Shitloads of Italian stuff that I've seen. It was on the, the, the um is he on the he's on either the tier one or tier two list with um a movie called Cannibal Apocalypse,
4: which How did I know it was a cannibal movie? Fucking yeah, <laughs> ca- can do
2: it. Cannibal Apocalypse, which stars John Saxon. Um, and it's actually got, recently got a Blu-ray release and it's it is a surprisingly fun movie to watch it's basically an action zombie movie um, but was an infamous story about John Saxon uh, who had recently I think he recently split up with his wife he was going through one of... I don't want to give too much... I can't remember how many times he was married. But it was a really bad divorce. And um, decided to just go make a couple of movies in Italy. And he has no knowledge or memory of making that movie. Because he was fucking <laughs> pissed. He was he was totally drunk the full time he made Cannibal Apocalypse. Which kind of makes me love it a little bit more. But we're doing a Hunter of the Apocalypse. Which the name kind of makes sense after you know the other one. But a.k.a. The Last Hunter. So, he's made Cannibal, uh, Cannibal Apocalypse, and then the following year, Hunter of the Apocalypse. So, it is. so yeah, The Last Hunter, directed by Antonio Margarete. During the Vietnam War, an American soldier gets trapped behind enemy lines. A squad of his buddies set out to rescue him. Now, you're telling me that this isn't a high-classy, kind of platoon sort of movie?
4: This is like if Fulci that that was my letterbox review for this. It's this like if Fulci tried to direct Platoon. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really all you need to know. This this one definitely uh, I think this is going to score a little bit higher when we get to the ratings at some of these because uh, this this is definitely a video nasty kind of fucking movie. Um, I I kind spoiler alert I kind of loved it. So definitely if you get a chance to check it out before that show comes out, I do strongly recommend it. It's fucking crazy.
2: I'm looking forward to getting down to climb with this movie. So yeah, in a couple of weeks' time myself and Mark will be sitting down for episode number 22. Uh, we'll be doing, like I said before, uh, The Last Hunter and Insemnioid. Mark, before we jump out here, you do stuff online. Where can people check out your shit?
4: Well, I am once again back in Facebook jail, so don't bother <laughs> there. Uh, I got another two weeks left on a fucking... I called somebody a twat. Because they were it was on an article about the new Hellraiser movie coming out and how they cast a transgender woman as the the new pinhead. Mm-hmm. And so I, I forget which one. It was one of the bigger horror fucking sites, Facebook pages. And sure enough, there's all these fucking people like misgendering her and saying how fucking stupid this is. So I called somebody a twat. I literally just said, <laughs> You're a twat and seconds later they're like, Hey, guess what? You're banned for another fucking thirty days on Facebook. So I'm about halfway into that sentence, so yeah, maybe just don't even bother trying to find me on Facebook. <laughs> find me on Twitter. I'm at at the fancy mark. I usually am pretty good about posting like what I'm watching on there. Uh, I'm on the letterbox. I do believe that's also that might just be fancy underscore bark and uh i'm going to try and start using the instagram a little bit more cuz it's apparently a lot harder to get booted off there that's also <laughs> at the fancy mark uh i've got like a huge back catalog of fucking new action figure stuff that i need to get around to shooting so if yeah you're into you know miniatures and uh stop motion and photography and stuff like that i got I have like I have like i've like 1500 posts on my instagram that you can go back and peruse at your leisure but hopefully i'll start do it a little bit more uh as far as that goes uh got a guest appearance on Bo's new show that we're recording tomorrow nice what you doing I mean, uh the we're doing uh i'm doing part one of night of the demons uh <laughs> hopefully that should be which yeah i gotta i haven't seen it in a couple years so i need to sit down and re-watch that at some point today but uh, i believe he's doing the whole series with different hosts on each episode i think the first one is supposed to be out like either on or before halloween so that should be coming here pretty quick uh trying to think uh that uh, since we recorded last that episode that i was on of the video nasty project came out where we were talking about sensor um, eh? yeah yeah it was a lot of fun The, the only thing that kind of aggravated that about me is i didn't check my settings before we recorded it and it is picking up the audio from the webcam that i went out and bought specifically for that recording and you can see my nice fucking yeti blue like 130 thirty dollar microphone in the frame the entire time but it is not picking up the audio for you, it, you're so.
2: literally you are now going to be used um in videos for people who are anti-yeti um now go that look he's using one listen to the same quality
1: Shit. Yeah, uh, no, yeah it's not bad
2: at all doing it's not bad you know i like i was it was like a kind of proud proud kind of proud papa moment when you did that video one where I was like that, not only did he go on and represent doing the nasty podcast but he managed to get through the entire webcam performance without getting his dick out that, nope. right there, right there like, cause been, I'm, I'm fairly sure that's why Tony is is yet to invite me on is because he knows that you, you invite on Duncan, you're getting a full shot of the peen
4: <laughs> well that may be coming because he's been talking about ra- has, wrapping yeah. up that series with uh, us as uh, why would uh, you do doing, that? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's 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 going to be interesting. There may be some dicks whipped out, but uh, <laughs> there will be. Yeah, Not keep, maybe.
2: Keep... There will be. My, my cock and <laughs> my cock and at least one ball is coming out. So it's
4: the sequel to "There Will Be Blood." There <laughs> will be cock.
2: <laughs> there will be cock. Um, so <laughs> yeah, like go check that out. It was it was a great it was a great review. You and uh, Tony from the Video Nasty Project sitting down discussing Censor a movie which is set in and, and deals with some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Cool.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely check out I think Sensor just landed on Hulu in the States at least, if you have not checked that out and you're listening to this show and like this show, you really owe it to yourself to check out Sensor.
2: One of my favourites of the year, uh, I absolutely yeah. fucking love it absolutely. It's a Duncan movie, if ever there was a Duncan movie, so um yeah, yeah, well there we go ladies and gents, that brings us to the end of another episode like I say, we'll be here in a couple of weeks time bringing you another episode purely to get us back on track <laughs> We're not that far out. This episode was supposed to come out end of September, so this is coming out what mid October, which means the next one comes out uh, kind of beginning in November for October, and then we're back in schedule end of November. We're back on track. Back on track. Yeah. Um, so I'm <laughs> looking forward to that. Until then, though, ladies and gentlemen, please take care of yourselves out there. And uh, from myself and Mark Ball, we'll speak to you next time.
1: They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so
2: horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well.
1: An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I
3: wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.